establish your brand as a trustworthy resource and you want to drive sales. Those are kind of the two main things. So the best marketing efforts you can do are ones that work towards both goals at the same time. And one of the things that I was going to mention, a great way to do this that costs you nothing but time, start setting yourself up on LinkedIn, on social media channels, wherever, as an expert on that topic. Welcome to the Earfluence Podcast, where businesses and brands can learn to amplify their expertise. I'm Cece Huffman, and with me today is Jen Sumi, and we're going to talk about marketing your startup when every dollar matters. So it's hard. I'm just going to say that's <laughs> the first thing. It's hard. Marketing is such like a full-time job, especially with social media now. I'm so glad you're here to talk with us about it. First, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and why we're going to talk about this today. Sure. Yeah. So, um, hey, everyone. My name is Jen Sumi. Uh, my day job is the director at Primordial, which is an early stage investment initiative here in Durham, North Carolina. So we invest in really early stage pre-seed companies uh, that are based here in the Triangle. We try to do 10 to 12 investments a year. So there's a lot of folks that I talk to on a daily basis. Background though, uh, I started my career many years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has to know, yeah. but you're very we won't, qualified. We won't, yeah, we'll we won't name numbers here, but yeah. uh, at a digital marketing agency. So I've been doing uh, digital marketing and search engine optimization, SEO, uh, for a long time uh, in a practical pa- capacity. And now I get to kind of flex, flex those muscles again, uh, advising these startups with when they don't have sometimes any budget or very little budget to see what matters most and drives sales and builds their brand. That is so helpful for so many people in so many different ways, I'm sure. And you have office hours here, I right? do. At American Underground. Actually, for as, people soon to as, talk with you. as soon as we wrap, my office hours begin. Oh, nice. Great. Well, I'm glad that this was a convenient time for you to Special do the interview. Very well. So what are some of the major challenges that you're hearing? You know, they come to you, they ask for advice, they give you their little pitch. What are the problems that they're having right now? Well, um, being an investor, a lot of folks come to me with more investment-related questions, but Mm -hmm. I do get a lot of questions about marketing and sales specifically, and a lot of times those overlap when you're at a really early stage. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, the first problem companies will run into is messaging and just trying to very clearly, very succinctly tell people what they do. Oh, I have heard some pitches before where they finish talking. I'm like, I still don't <laughs> understand what you're saying. And I guess sometimes you get way so like deep into the weeds yeah. of what you're doing and passionate that you just expect people to know things that, that they really don't. That is a very big part of the problem. They're incredibly passionate. They are the knowledge experts. Um, and, you know, they'll start the first five seconds of their pitch with, you know, seven to 15 different jargon words that I've never heard of before. And so it's really about starting out your messaging, talking like you're talking to a Mm -hmm. six-year-old, really explaining it at a really base understanding capacity, exactly what you do, exactly how you help customers. And then as you continue that conversation, you can explain more of those jargony, uh, more industry-specific pieces. So how then, once you kind of figure out their messaging, then 
what do you do with that? How do you find the people that you're trying to, you know, tell that message to? I'm assuming social media is a big part of it. Social media is a major part of pretty much every freaking thing people do nowadays. <laughs> but for marketing at a low cost, I think of something like that where you can go and do it yourself. But then I also think that takes a lot of time and effort and energy. And SEO to me is like some mysterious entity that I don't always understand. Yeah. So then how? what's the next step once you're like, okay, I know what I'm trying to say. How do you, where do you shout it into the void? Right. Well, and this is another big thing. And it really just depends on the type of business that they have and who their customers are. Um, you know, my biggest piece of advice is if you know your customers really well, you know where they're getting their information, mm-hmm. what newsletters they're reading, the podcasts they're listening to, the social media channels that they're on, uh, the websites that they look at for information and resources. And so you need to be able to put yourself in in the way. And so that you are between them and the content that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get noticed. And so for, you know, B2C companies, a lot of that is social media. Um, You know, you could be doing different email campaigns, potentially. Usually it's, it's a lot of social media. A lot of times it's paid advertising. Um, Folks are looking for things in different search engines or on different platforms. So if you sell a product, maybe you have a website where you sell your product, but then you might also, if it's possible, sell it on Amazon too, mm-hmm. because a lot of folks will search on Amazon before they search on Google, mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things. For B2B companies, it probably looks a little bit different because instead of like how I shop, for instance, instead of me scrolling at home, looking on Instagram and then clicking buy now, um, right. when I'm looking for things for my businesses and things to help my portfolio companies, I'm usually looking on LinkedIn for my social media channel. Or I'm specifically searching for something. So the search engine results pages are really paramount for those sorts of companies. But also a lot of B2B is relationship building too because there's so much noise, so much cold emails, cold calling. Oh, that's painful to even (laughs) hear you say that. I had a friend who worked in sales and it was a very, very brief stint in sales. This is a bit of a tangent. Um, And he called me, I swear, at least once a week, like borderline crying. Like, I can't send another email and have no one answer me. I can't call another person and feel like I'm annoying them. That's tough. It's tough. You have to be very resilient for that work. I've done He's not in sales anymore. (laughs) I've done it. I'm also not in sales anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I've definitely sent those cold emails, those cold called people and gotten voicemails and just people shouting obscenities and hanging up on me. It happens. It's brutal. The best way to go about it, in in my opinion, if you're you're doing B2B, is relationship building. And Mm so it's building your network. It's going to conferences you know, actually sitting down and talking to people. And a lot of it too, you can go at it with from the angle of learning more about your customers. Because if you're authentically wanting to help them, and that is your goal, then having conversations with them about their problems and almost like building with them in mind and with Mm -hmm. them, uh, workshopping potential solutions with them makes them feel like an owner in your company, especially when you're at that early stage. And they're more likely to be a beta customer of yours because you've right. taken their feedback to heart. It has something in it that they already want. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it looks different for different companies. Um, but the best advice I usually give is figure out where those channels are that your customers are hanging out and test. Do like be a little scientist, you know, mm-hmm. like take a little bit of budget if you need it or a little bit of time if that's all you've got and test different areas and then see 
which one has the best ROI. See which right. one has you know driven more traffic or gotten you more leads, started more conversations, whatever your goal is. And that will fail sometimes for yes. sure. Most will fail. Yeah, most of it will <laughs> fail. Just for everybody's listening, don't think, oh, I'm just going to test some things and it's all going to work out fine. Some of it will fail. But it, that yeah. stuff that you get, the information that you get from that failure yeah. will be very valuable in actually getting you to the successful part. Actually, yeah, absolutely. The the failures, you learn so much in failure. I This is a soapbox that I will get on. Failure to me is not a dirty word. Absolutely. Failure is necessary for life mm-hmm. if you want to learn anything as you go through it. So. Um, those will teach you a lot. But then also, if you do have a small success somewhere, double down on that mm-hmm. strategy. Maybe you'll continue to have success in that channel, and that might be your main marketing channel as you grow. So can you share, do you have some of those success stories from maybe companies that you've worked with in general or with Primordial or just some happy news sure. from some people? I've got lots of happy news. Oh, good. Um, love to hear it. Actually, there's a couple of, of Primordial companies that I will – I will showcase and share their happy news. So one, talking about social media strategies, uh, Bristles, who was on uh, a couple weeks back, Mm -hmm. Tina, uh, she has had a lot of success with an influencer strategy on Instagram. And so, you know, her product is very visual. It's a, you know, it's a design app. So Mm -hmm. uh, it does really, really well on a platform with that's heavy on pictures. Yeah, where things are supposed to be pretty. Exactly. Yes. And there's actually quite a lot of people who are in her target customer list that are how they do a lot of their businesses on Instagram as well because mm-hmm. the products that they're selling are refinished or refurbished furniture. And so they're promoting that on Instagram before and after pictures. And so she's been able to find some of these influencers that are in her moderate low budget, um, not spending the world on them, but paying them to do a post and review and and promote her product, especially if they like it. And that has really driven a lot of sales her her direction. She's gaining a lot of traction with that strategy. And again, to that point, she tested a lot of different channels at first, Mm -hmm. but that one had the best ROI. So that's the one she's doubling down on. Yeah, that makes total sense. I've got two other examples. Give it. All right. Um, So one of, I think I mentioned before, the the main goal with marketing is twofold, especially when you're really early. Mm-hmm. You want to establish your brand as a trustworthy resource. Right. And you want to drive sales. Those are kind of the two main things. So the best marketing efforts you can do are ones that work towards both goals at the same time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was going to mention, a great way to do this that costs you nothing but time uh, it does take a lot of time, so it's always better <laughs> okay. to, to start early, is if you're an industry expert and you know a ton about whatever niche industry and you want to build a business around it, start setting yourself up on LinkedIn, on social media channels, wherever, mm-hmm. as an expert on that topic. Amplify and your expertise, ex- some might say. Some would say exactly that. Uh, we would that. say that, in fact, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not only does that build your network and establish you as a, a trusted resource in your industry and a thought leader in your industry, mm-hmm. but you can also very quickly turn that into sales if you have a product that really solves a problem for people who are following you. And so a great example of that is uh, Austin Armstrong, who actually has an office here in the American Underground. Ah, love it. Yeah, uh, of Syllabi. And he he had a consulting company previously, and he had built a social media following of over 3 million people across different channels. Yeah. 
huge. (laughs) And so he was hearing very similar problems from his consulting clients and built a product to solve it. And so he launched his company in the end of January this year, and he is already north of a million dollars ARR because he had this huge following who were perfect fit uh, to, to easily adopt this product and start solving a very specific pain point for that Mm -hmm. type of customer. So that's a great example. Yes, it is. And then another one, again, that one takes time. He built that following over many years. I'll make that caveat. Right. So maybe you just start now for 10 years and then you can do your idea. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's always good to start now. Absolutely. If you've got knowledge, share it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't think anybody's going to pay attention or listen, it's funny I say this, but I haven't taken my own advice until very recently. Right. No, I totally get that. It's so easy to be like, just post it, you know, just yeah. go. And then you're like about to post it and you're like, am I cringe? Am I going to be embarrassed? Is there something that I should be concerned about here? So it's so much easier to say, yeah, oh yeah, just get started when there's like so many other. But after you do that first one, you realize it's not that hard. No. And it gets easier every single time mm-hmm. you do it. And better. You'll see more engagement. You'll have more followers. It it takes a long time, but it's definitely worthy, uh, a worthy pursuit. Yeah. Um, my last example is Deshaun from CoWorks. Yes. Who also was on very recently. Uh-huh. Um, when he told me this when during some of our first conversations this past spring, I was like, oh, that's genius. Um, Really great idea. So he is a B2B company. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's selling into other businesses. And he was doing, you know, founder-led sales, kind of leveraging his relationship at the beginning. And what they did, and this is another great piece of advice, build a great website that looks reputable and is easy to read and has clear messaging. Um, But also pick a spot somewhere on your website where you can have fresh content posted all the time. And so they started a blog to serve that purpose. And instead of just writing a blog about whatever, industry right. trends or something that maybe Here's nobody will read. a room that you can book with co-works. Exactly. <laughs> that would be kind of rough. Exactly. Yeah. Instead, what he did is he started calling up potential customers with the angle of, hey, we wanted to write an article on our blog you know, spotlighting members in our co-working community. And we really liked your co-working space. We'd love to learn more about you and, you know, write a whole blog post on your specific co-working space. And so just by doing that, then you have an article that keeps your website fresh. Mm -hmm. You have an article that that co-working space also wants to promote. Mm -hmm. And you've started building an authentic relationship with a potential customer. And you don't sell, obviously, in those first conversations, but they'll obviously ask, but what kind of website, what kind of blog is this? And you'll say, oh, well, we have this software. And then it's a soft sell situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just genius. He, he gained a lot of early customers that way just by calling and interviewing them for their blog. Yeah, that's insanely smart. Yeah. And it feels also very human too. Yes. I think that's another important piece to remember. We talked about this some um, when we talked with Aaron Limpney a couple weeks ago, but just being like – I cannot emphasize how important it is to, in this process, just be normal. Just be yourself and be normal because people can tell when, whether it's B2C or B2B mm-hmm. when you're not being normal. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. Yeah. And it's bad for you. It's bad for your business. It's bad for your sales. It's bad for everybody else to watch. It's just bad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you go in with a transactional mindset mm-hmm. – it's easy to read, and it makes you nervous then, too. Yeah. If, if you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot riding on this. I need to make sure this conversation is good. It 
people pick up on that energy mm-hmm. for sure. And so if you just bring yourself authentically and have conversations, very open, honest conversations with people, a lot of good blossoms from that. And that does kind of lead into my next question, which is what are some of the worst marketing moves that a startup can make? Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've just imagined it. What's really like negative ROI? Just like bad idea, buddy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the easy ones are don't, you know, do email spam people all the time and really hurt your brand. I actually mentioned this earlier today to uh, two founders I was talking to that in marketing, you're People are going to interact with your, or at least see your brand and recognize your brand multiple times before mm-hmm. they ever interact with it. It's like they have to. What is it, yeah. like six times it's, or I something? I think it's like seven or something. Yeah. And for some industries, it might be even higher. Yeah, I mean, it, they're going to see your name around before mm-hmm. they ever do anything to interact. It's so the trust part. Exactly. It's like, oh, they keep coming back. There if must you, be something to this. Yeah, if you hear about them at a conference and then see them on a you know, search engine result that's for something you're looking mm-hmm. for, and then you get an email. It's right. like, oh, I've heard this company. Let me open it and see what this is about. But if you're just cold blasting people and, and buying lists of potential, like target lists and just blasting people with information that isn't tailored to them – it's just, it's not a good look and it's, it's not a great start. No, it's a great way to get, at least me personally, on your bad side. Yeah. Because I cannot stand that. The amount of things I unsubscribe to and I just don't even know how I got subscribed yeah. to in the first place. Yeah. I hate when I get a million emails. I like my inbox at zero and you're ruining my vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Another thing too, once you, once you have, I didn't mention email marketing much, but once you have a, a list of customers or or interested parties that you're going to be emailing on a regular basis, test campaigns before they go out to that list. Like bold and underline this next piece, not just a test email, have a whole separate list that you send out uh, a test campaign to. The reason why for this little extra piece is you don't want to run into a situation where the test email just comes to your inbox, right? Mm-hmm. And people have different inboxes. It shows up, your email shows up in different areas. Um, I'm going to show my age here for a minute. My my boss back at the digital marketing agency, we had set up an email campaign for a client and it was triggered off of some script that he mm-hmm. wrote. This is showing my age. They have services for this now, but uh, he had one line of code wrong in the script uh-huh. and there were over a thousand, I don't know how many thousand people on the list and what happened was, is the first email went out, and the first person got that email. And then the second person on the list got an email, and the first person got a second email. And oh, on and on no. and on and on <laughs> until... That poor first I know. Person. They got thousands of emails in their inbox the oh, next morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I also, he ran up a ton of charges on whatever email service yeah. they were using. Um, Holy heck. But yeah, just do like a short little list of like maybe five or 10 trusted people or internal people and Mm -hmm. just test it out, get some feedback from other people and see how it goes, then set that campaign Make sure everybody only gets it once. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Then make that campaign go live. That was probably the funniest story. Yeah, that's really bad. He he had to call Amazon and like, it was either Amazon, whatever the email service was, we were using SendGrid or something and like talk them down from charging him however much the bill was. I'm sorry I made a terrible mistake, but can you please like not charge me a bunch of money yeah. for it? And this is a smart, this guy's like a genius, mm-hmm. um, but 
Just it just goes to show that mistake. everybody can make mistakes. Absolutely. And you can be the best marketer in the whole world. And you yep. can have some issues sometimes. And that's yep. totally possible. Absolutely. But let's just talk. Let's just imagine. Say you do a couple of these things. Like you market your startup. You follow the the kind of path that we've laid out in the last mm-hmm. couple of minutes. And then like maybe things start to go pretty well. And mm-hmm. then you like start to make a little bit of money. Yeah. And maybe you can afford to do a little bit more with yeah. your marketing. What's the first thing that you do? Like don't obviously – what do you do with that first little bit of money? Where is it not going to be a waste? Like you should probably not go and spend like $200 on Facebook ads, but like, so what do you do with it instead? You know? Well, um, provided you've got the marketing foundation that we talked about of a good website, trusted, you know, building your brand, building yourself up personally and Mm -hmm. also your brand up, you know, again, whichever channel that you've run your marketing experiments on that seems to have the best ROI I would double down there. I mean, you already you already know that your hypothesis was correct the first mm-hmm. time around. So spend it there. You'll get a little bit more money back. That'll feel more money and budgets can increase. You can try different channels. You know, and again, it depends on your business. But I will say if you're going to outsource any part of your marketing mm-hmm. efforts, um, just make sure you find a really trusted partner. Uh, especially with paid search, I feel like um, honestly to me, Paid search is a black box. Yeah. I don't know how to set up those campaigns. That is not something I was ever I ever learned or was mm-hmm. ever skilled on. There are plenty of people I know who are certified in all of those areas and know all the ins and outs and details. But because it's a black box, you know, you you're not really sure if your money is being spent right. well by your partner. So it's difficult when you don't understand that exactly. kind of stuff to know if what's happening is actually valuable. Yes. Yeah. So you want to find a good partner who can really break it down talk to you about the nuances of things they tried and the tweaks that they made and make it easy for you to understand. Who will spend the time with you to make sure that your money is being spent well. Yeah, definitely for stuff like that, I think it's important to at least have a a basis of what it is that is going to be happening. But I totally get that. I was telling you like SEO to me sometimes is like, I don't, when did everybody learn how to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think I was sick that day when everyone in the world learned exactly how to optimize everything for search. I think I missed it. I mean, there's so, there's so many details in SEO too. It's, you know, starting with your keyword research, but also, you know, page speed optimization. Like Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you're pages are loading and all of the elements on your pages are loading quickly because if they're not, your bounce rates are going to be really high and people aren't going to wait right. two or three seconds for bored. a page to load. I had, I had like the fastest internet in the world and now my internet is a little bit slower and I catch myself. If it takes more than three seconds for the page to load now, I'm like, I don't even know if it's worth it for me to go on this website. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm people, gone already. Yeah. I'm a very tough <laughs> customer. So really what they yeah. should do is send me all their marketing stuff and if I don't get really irritated by it, then it's probably Then you're good. Fine. It passes the test. Yeah. Passes the CC test. Should you do that like a focus group? Should, is oh, that yeah. a thing that people still do? I well, feel like that's only on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I I feel like that's a Mad Men thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. In the Polaroid carousel. Exactly. Yeah. You can you can build your own focus group. One of the one of the best best ideas in marketing is building a very small trusted group of champions, mm-hmm. people that. Love your product, love your business, love you, whatever. Um, <laughs> what one of the three? <laughs> yeah, one of the three. And those people are people that are gonna tell all of their friends about you mm-hmm. and and promote you just out of the goodness of their heart, not for any sort of referral money. But 
have that trusted list of champions and make them feel special. Give them early access to new features. Say, hey, I'd love for you to be one of our, you know, early access beta testers Mm -hmm. for this new thing that's coming out. And they'll love the fact that they're being, like I said, included in your product development and they'll feel really a part of your company, a part of your brand. You can do the same thing with marketing. You can say, hey, beta testers, we're going to try this new email campaign. Please let us know your thoughts and feelings on it. Would Mm -hmm. this be annoying to you? You know, those champions love to give feedback because they love your product. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. And it does – I've done that with some people who have asked for my help before, and Mm -hmm. I was very willing to do it. And anytime I've ever asked somebody that, they're also very willing because it's – I mean, it's kind of fun. It's Getting to have a say and be like, I think this is cool. I don't think that this works. Mm -hmm. And you feel very valued at the same time. Absolutely, especially if your advice is listened to and implemented. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes out, you kind of intrinsically want to show it off to other people because, hey, I did that. Yeah, that was my idea. (laughs) That was my suggestion. Wasn't it so good? Isn't that the best part of the whole thing? (laughs) So it it works well for for all parties involved. Absolutely. So what did I miss? Is there a question that I should have asked you? Is there a point? Did we leave a hole for somebody that they're going to trip and fall into and their business is going to fall apart because I forgot to ask the question? Gosh, I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds devastating. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you'd like to add? <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would say, you know, just going back to the very, very beginning, spend time, not everybody spends time on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if your main channel of driving revenue is your mobile app, you might not spend a lot of time on your, like, quote, marketing website. Right. But you should. Everybody should. It is the first thing people look up when they hear about you, whether or not they find out about you on the app stores or on a podcast like Mm -hmm. this one, you know, take the time, do it right, be honest, be authentic, be very clear in your messaging, do all of those fun little SEO hacks, Mm -hmm. keyword optimization, paid speed optimization, um, and have an area where that, that content stays fresh. That, I just can't stress that enough. And this, probably I'm biased because I come from a digital marketing background, but those things will pay dividends years later. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowork's another great example. They spent a lot of time in the beginning doing keyword research and SEO optimization. And, you know, the ROI is not immediate on those things. No. But because they did that years ago when they started, now they haven't even, they're only just now starting to do paid search marketing um, because they already rank really well for all of the keywords that they want to be ranking for. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if, if you lay that good foundation it seems like you're wasting time, but it also is a great exercise to to hone your messaging and to know what keywords are going to matter for all the parties involved, right. not just your customers, potential investors, you know, and and anyone else that would be interested in your business. And to add to that too, mm-hmm. that page where you can keep adding more and more mm-hmm. content. Um, the more that you have, the more that that builds out. That search, I know for earfluence.com, just the sheer amount of people and places and things we've had on and talked about in many different areas, we rank well because of that. Yep. But also making having that page for that content in addition to just the general search stuff gives you so much more space to make other content. So maybe you have a blog, but maybe the blog's based on a podcast episode. Or maybe you take the blog and you're like, let's make a YouTube video out of it. Let's create a script from this. Like there's so many different things that you can create by mm-hmm. just making one thing mm-hmm. that can 
make everything so much easier for you. I think that was kind of jumbled, but I think everybody got the general <laughs> idea of what I was getting at. No, I, I definitely agree. And you're right. I mean, every time you b- make a new piece of content, that adds to the size of your website. Mm-hmm. And Google's going to be encouraged in other search engines. I don't want to give preference only well, to Google. Listen, I mean, but- we'll be real. When was the last time you used Bing? <laughs> like, just straight up. So, okay, many, anyways. Many, sorry. many years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think I ever have. When it was, like, default if, on whatever computer you I ask Jeeves. Jeeves. <laughs> Jeeves. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, every time you create, every time you create a new piece of content on your website, um, the size of your website gets bigger. Mm-hmm. The more often you create those new pieces, Google is encouraged. If you're updating your site regularly, it's going to come back and crawl your site more regularly. And so you'll have your fresh content show up in the search engines and it won't be this old stale content that you created six years ago and never yeah. updated that and page. it's kind of a little bit embarrassing and you wish you could take it over the internet. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't just have to be a blog or podcast. It can be it can be all about your product. You can create a a knowledge center for your product with short form videos that show off individual features or unique ways that your customers are using your product. You can do how-tos and and write up guides and and there's just so much you can do. So much content you could create that adds to the authority of your website over time. So it sounds like maybe the last piece of advice that we missed, the little bridge over the hole that I said they were going to fall in, is like also just have fun with it. Yes. And just make whatever you want or whatever you can Mm -hmm. and then see what really works and then just keep going with it. Yeah. Lean into that brand voice that you've created in the beginning and – you know, if you're if you're lucky, you'll have a fun brand voice, and then right. you can have fun with your content. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, you have a new podcast. Speaking of content, I do. Yeah, let's talk about that. Tell brand, me a little bit about it. Brand spanking new. Um, so my first episode came out yesterday. Well, <laughs> it is brand new. It's yeah. newborn. It, it is, is on the way home born. from the hospital. Yeah, it, it's not even coming home from the hospital yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's really fun. We're excited about it. It's it's a short form kind of mailbag format uh, where founders or other folks in the startup community can send their questions in to soup at gretbeat.com. Plug in that real quick. Um, And I will then go out and solicit answers and perspectives on those questions from other folks in our startup community. Ideally, folks who have kind of been there, done that, Mm -hmm. have experience, have war stories to tell about those questions. Um, yeah, trying to make them pretty short, 15 minutes, and we'll have a new episode every week on Wednesdays. Yes, and it's called... Oh, sorry. The podcast <laughs> is called In the Soup. Yes. Uh, it is the brand new podcast by Gretbeat. Just to be clear, I'm just the, the host. They generously elected me to be the host. And they picked a wonderful host. I hope so. Yes. And now that this episode is coming to an end, go and listen to that one wherever you listen to your podcast. But how can our listeners connect with you? So LinkedIn, it sounds like, is a great way. LinkedIn is great. Um, You can reach me at jen at primordial.io if you want to send something to my email. Uh, I live by that email, so if it comes in, I will see it. Mm -hmm. Try to keep it at 30 or below. And then I'm also around, you know, like like you mentioned earlier, I've got office hours at the American Underground and at Raleigh Founded. I'm also really willing to give my time and help founders and answer questions outside of that. So if you reach me in any of those other areas, um, I have a Calendly. We can have coffee. We can have a virtual coffee. Yes. Uh, Yeah, just reach out. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for being on here today. This is so much fun. Oh, of course. This was a blast. Yes, you did a wonderful job. Thank you for being here. If you are looking for help from us creating your podcast, visit earfluence.com. I'm Cece, and we'll talk with you again on the Earfluence Podcast.